Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Hey, again, I want to welcome you to this Easter Sunday. I recognize that for some of you, this might be your first Easter in like three years, right? Because the last two have been a little different. For us as a church, it's our fourth Easter and our fourth new location. So I think maybe the theme for us could be, I'm still standing, right? Like here we are. And we're standing because Jesus is standing. He walked out of his own tomb, right? Well, I want to uh, let you know that if you're familiar with church and this is something you do regularly or have uh, familiarity with it, what this is is called a sermon. Uh, but if you aren't around church much and you don't know what I'm about to do, think of it like a TED Talk. You guys know what that is, right? You know what a TED Talk is. Well, if you know what TED Talks are, they've branded themselves as ideas worth spreading. So this is where I'm going to diverge from a TED Talk. Because what I want to share with you today is not an idea worth spreading. What I want to share with you is a true story rooted in history, a credible fact testified to credible witnesses, and it is the greatest story ever told worth spreading throughout the world. That's what we're going to talk about today. One thing that is true of every culture around the world, every time in human history, is that people are drawn to story. There's something about stories that moves not only our intellect, but our emotion. And it was 20th century writer Kurt Vonnegut who introduced the idea decades ago that stories can take shapes. Say, what in the world does that mean? Well, Well, Kurt Vonnegut actually diagrammed storytelling and showed that stories have certain arcs, certain rises and falls, and these take certain shapes. Later on, just a few years after that, researchers from two universities here in America turned that theory into six storylines that exist throughout the world. And they believe, with some scientific research behind it, that all stories fit into one of these six story arcs. I'm not going to take the time to unpack each of those for you, but I do want to let you know about one of them. One of those six story arcs is what's called the man in the hole. The man in the hole. And researchers over the last few years have been digging into this and they've let us know that the man in the hole storyline is the most profitable storyline that exists in Hollywood. We've got a diagram of it I think we're going to show you here in a second. That the man in the hole storyline is basically this, that, that, some, that someone has started off with good fortune but somewhere toward the beginning of the story typically their fortunes decline, they fall into troubling situations or challenges and by the end of the story, by the end of the book or the movie, they've risen back up to good fortune. This is what the man in the hole storyline is. Perhaps you recognize some movies that have this storyline, Lion King, The Wizard of Oz, And guys, I want to hear a guttural response for this one, The Godfather. (laughs) It was a terrible accent, but it's the best I can do. I want to ask this question, why does the man in the hole story arc, a fall and then a rise, why does it resonate so deeply with the human heart and the human condition? And I want to give you this idea or this theory. The reason that the man in the whole storyline, the the fall and then the rise, the reason that is the most resonating storyline that exists in humanity is that deep down each one of us embedded in our soul, we understand that it is our story. 
Whether we are conscious of it or not, we recognize in the man in the whole storyline that that's us, that we have fallen into something that we were never intended to be part of, and we desire to rise up and to live in the risenness of our own story. The man behind me on the screen, some of you, if you have young children, you're going to know this person as the animated lion Clay Calloway from Sing 2. For the rest of us, this is Bono, the legendary lead singer of U2. Bono, at the height of his success in the 80s, released a song that, that was worldwide, global. He said, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. A generation later and in a different arena, another man, Tom Brady, the goat himself, in a 60 Minutes interview, now at this point Tom Brady had only gotten three Super Bowl rings, he now has seven, but listen to the story and the interview that took place. Unprompted, Tom Brady said this, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. But me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? And the interviewer asked this question, what's the answer? And Brady responded, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. See, whether you realize it or not, deep in your soul, you're looking for a better story. You're looking to live in the risenness of your story. You recognize that the challenges, the troubles, that the failures, the sins that you live in are not what you were created for. And that recognition produces a deep restlessness in our souls. It's probably no secret to you that we are experiencing a mental health crisis across the world. In fact, 25% of people identify themselves as having a mental health issue. Not only that, but in the United States of America among adults, 10% uh, or, or rather suicidal ideation in American adults has risen every year over the last 10 years. More and more people thinking this life is not worth living, I don't want to be here anymore. And when we add to that the abuses of alcohol and opioids and other issues, there are as many as 25% of people who are battling substance abuse addiction. And we ask the question, what is it that people are looking for? What is it that people are missing? Augustine said it this way, God has made us for himself and our souls are restless until they find their rest in him. And some of you can relate with that sense of restlessness. It just can't be all it is. I, I'm looking for more in my work. I'm looking for more in my relationship, more purpose, more hope. Well, there's a woman in the Bible that we're introduced to by the name of Mary of Magdalene, and she was such a person, a restless soul. In fact, Luke, the, the writer and author, tells us that Mary was healed of seven demons. He says that there were evil spirits and infirmities, and more than likely, he's not referring to seven demons or, or specific demons, but he's saying she was absolutely dominated, she was absolutely oppressed by evil and by restlessness. Perhaps you feel oppressed today or perhaps every day like Mary did with anxiety and depression. Perhaps you feel dominated by disillusionment from a broken marriage, dominated by fears of health and finances, or, or dominated by an addiction or a compulsive behavior that you cannot figure out how to break free of. Luke was a doctor, but he does not attribute the healing that Mary experienced to himself. He says somebody else healed her, and it was a man named Jesus. 
Now, this is where Mary's story is different than most men in the whole story. See, Mary had a fall and she had a rise, but most men in the whole stories, that the hero or the heroine, they rise of their own accord. So Simba is banished from Pride Rock and then returns from the Badlands to defeat his evil uncle Scar. Michael Corleone is exiled to Sicily and then returns to take over the family business by eliminating enemies or at least making them an offer they can't refuse. That was better, right? Most man in the whole stories, the hero is the man in the whole. But our man in the whole story is much different. The Apostle Paul experienced it firsthand the brokenness and sinfulness of the human condition, the restlessness to find his way to God, pursuing the law as best he could, even enforcing the law on other people. And Paul came to a realization, I cannot dig myself out of the hole that I'm in. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, Paul wrote these words. So there is now no condemnation awaiting those of us who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit, and this power is mine through Christ Jesus, has freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. We aren't saved from sin's grasp by following the commands because we can't and don't keep them. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours except for this, that ours are sinful. And he destroyed sin's control over us by giving himself as a sacrifice for our sins. I want you to know today that if you are experiencing brokenness, if you are experiencing restlessness, if you are experiencing being far from God who created you, you cannot pull yourself up, you cannot save yourself, someone else had to do it. And that person was Jesus. And when Jesus left heaven to come to earth, he became the man in the hole for us. Say, what in the world do you mean? Well, Jesus, being the Son of God, living eternally in heaven, he never had a fall, he never sinned, he never strayed from God. And yet to save us, Jesus came from heaven to earth. He was born as a baby in a manger. He walked on dirty streets. He wept, he hungered, he thirsted. He experienced pain and rejection, and ultimately Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross and buried in the grave of another. It is at that grave that we find Mary Magdalene with her own story unfolding just three days after the death of Jesus. Mary, along with some other women, have gone there and listened to what Luke tells us in Luke 24, verses 1 through 7. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in it, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while the people were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day... He will rise. Jesus' man in the whole story did not end at the bottom. It did not end in a grave. But by the power of God, Jesus was raised to life. By one miraculous breath on the third day, Jesus came to life and walked out of his own tomb. And the, the danger, I think, for us is that 2,000 years removed, we're tempted to turn the resurrection into a nice Easter story. 
to commemorate it with religious services and bunnies and eggs. And I have no idea how they found their way into the story, but that's for another time. It didn't end there, and yet we can trivialize it. We can minimize it. We can just make it a, a set of religious beliefs that people have. But it was so much more than that, and it is so much more than that. To give you a little bit of an idea of what Jesus' first followers felt on Easter Sunday morning of the first one, I'll tell you this story. When I was 18, I was the middle of seven siblings, and we experienced the loss of our mother to breast cancer. And at my mom's funeral, uh, one of the things that we were allowed to do is each of the seven siblings, starting with my older sister, got to go in and close the door behind us before they closed the casket. And whether we needed to just confess something and get it off our chest, whether we needed to, to tell her that we loved her and we'd miss her, whatever it was, we had five minutes that we could just be there with the body of our mom. That's what happened, but imagine if what had happened is when my oldest sister comes out of that room, she says, guys, the body's missing. <laughs> it's not there. I promise you we're not going to go, she's risen. <laughs> we're going to go, what kind of sick joke is this? What kind of funeral home has misplaced the body? That's what you do when the story's real. You don't jump to conclusions. And interestingly enough, the first follower of Jesus had the same response. In fact, the legitimacy of Jesus' resurrection is demonstrated, at least in part, by the way they responded. Luke tells us that they were perplexed. Mark says they were alarmed and trembling with astonishment. Matthew tells us they experienced both fear and great joy. And don't miss this. The first followers of Jesus proclaimed the resurrection of Christ not because they believed it to be true. They, they were not speaking faith in the resurrection. They proclaimed the resurrection because they experienced it. They saw him. They heard him. They touched him with their hands. They could not deny what they had experienced themselves. And that's why 10 of Jesus' 11 closest followers, after being spread out to all parts of the world, went to their death saying, I cannot deny what I have seen firsthand. Jesus is risen. What does that mean for us? I want to give you two implications and then we're going to sing another song and we're going to celebrate together in worship. Two implications of Jesus' resurrection. Number one, you can have eternal life forever. You can have eternal life forever. The fact that Jesus died on a cross and was raised to life on the third day means that Jesus has given us victory over sin. That same Paul who had the experience with God on the road to Damascus said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We needed somebody to stand in our place to pay the penalty for sin. Jesus did that for us on the cross. And in Jesus' death, it secured God's mercy for us. But as you've already heard, Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose to life, giving us victory over death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, forever life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so as Jesus' death on the cross released the mercy of God, Jesus' resurrection from the tomb released the power of God to us. And the Bible tells us that by putting our faith in Jesus, we can join him in his victory over sin and death. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you will come out of the hole of sin and selfishness and suffering and you will experience the risenness of the story for which you were created in Jesus. But it gets even better. It gets even better. I remember as a 10-year-old asking my Sunday school teacher, hey, if I put my trust in Jesus and I'm going to heaven to die, uh, when I die, why should I live any differently right now, right? Because I'm thinking at 10 years old, I want to do what I want to do. And I don't remember the Sunday school teacher's response. Perhaps he didn't have a good one. But I know my answer now. I believe in Jesus, not just because I can have eternal life when I die, but because I can experience abundant life here and now. Jesus speaking to the people in John chapter 10, he said, the thief, the enemy, he's going to come at you only to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it fully and more abundantly. I read that verse as a 15-year-old teenager who had gone to church my whole life and went, really? Abundant life? Because all I knew was church and ritual and religion. And Jesus introduced himself to me spiritually with these words, I've come, Chris. I've come, Rachel. I've come, Keon. I've come, Greg. I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus' resurrection changes the way I live now. It changes the way I relate with people. It changes my ability to overcome sin because I spent a lot of years in slavery to it, and now I am free. And so here's the big question. The same question that the angels asked Mary, I want to pose to you. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you continue to go back to places in your life where there is only death when Jesus offers you life? Let me put it more plainly. Why are you looking to a new relationship to fill the void in your soul? Why are you looking to your job to make you happy? Why are you looking to alcohol to overcome your hurts and your disappointments? Why are you looking in places where there's only death to find life? I want to invite you for just about two minutes to close your eyes where you're at. Maybe you've never been in an environment where this has happened. Just roll with us for a second. I'm going to ask everybody to keep their eyes closed for just a minute. Because it may be that somebody in the room for the first time, it's clicking for you. This really happened. A man was dead and he walked out of his own tomb. This is truth and this is life. And you're ready to receive that eternal life as your own. I just want to see your hand. No one else is looking around. If you would where you're at, we'd love to see your hand. If you're ready to receive the eternal life that Jesus offers here and now. There is a hand here. Anybody else? Say, I'm not going to live one more day in death. I'm not going to live one more day in, in sin or in suffering. I'm going to receive Jesus here and now. And there's others of you. There's others you are going, Chris, I've believed in Jesus. I've trusted in his death for my sin. I've believed in a risen Savior. But Chris, I'm not living in the abundant life Jesus came to promise me. I'm not, I'm not living that out in my home. I'm not living that out in my workplace. And today I want to make that change. I want to receive Jesus' abundant life, his overcoming victory. Would you just slip your hand up so we can pray for you? Wherever you're at in the room, say, I want to move from being defeated to living in victory here and now. 
With your eyes closed for just about 30 more seconds, I want to encourage you, if that's you, and if you've made a decision today, would you let us know about it? We're not going to have you stand up or walk to the front, but, but we'd love to follow up with you and give you a phone call and say, here's how you can experience the eternal and abundant life that Jesus offers to you. Now look up at me for just a minute. We're going to close with a song followed by uh, some closing instructions from Marcy. Before we get there, I want to invite you next Sunday to come back. I'm going to give you at least two good reasons. Number one, we're in a brand new series called I'm Not Fine. And we're going to talk about the hope that God has given us in the middle of the challenges of life. We're going to spend some time there. I'd love for you to come back next week as we start that series. And secondly, whether you've called Horizon West Church home or you're brand new, you might be interested to know that we've got some really exciting updates, very specific updates about the direction of our church as it pertains to property, as it pertains to team members that God is sending to us. We don't want you to miss next Sunday to hear those announcements. With that, I'm going to pray. Our team is going to lead us in another song that says, All hail King Jesus. Would you stand as we pray together? God in heaven, thank you. We thank you, God, because you sent Jesus to redeem us from the pit that we were in, the, the one we couldn't crawl out of, the one we couldn't pull ourselves from. God, we thank you that Jesus became the man in the hole for us. And that on that third day, that hole called the grave was left empty. He is not here. He is risen. We celebrate you, Lord, for the risen Savior, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.